Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org.
fresh hearts to join, great light to run in, let us unite with endless dimension, universal life. Buddha Shakyamuni Nyorai, Hanleon Dai Bosatsu, Seishi Dai Bosatsu, Manjo Dai Bosatsu, Fugen Dai Bosatsu, Jido Dai Bosatsu, Kokuzo Dai Bosatsu, Tosan Jinju Namadai Bosatsu, Dai Gongen, Namasande, Sanden Jobatsu. Past, present, future, all Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, let true Dharma continue, universal Sangha relation become complete. Here we are on this beautiful fall day, November 29th, 2020. Originally, we had planned to conduct this ceremony at Daibosatsu Zendo Kongoji, but with the worsening coronavirus pandemic, we decided it would be best to use Zoom from our Syracuse temple, Hoenji, where the residents and I have been in ongoing quarantine. As ever in our practice, Freedom is found within the temporary restrictions of circumstances. Dokoro, it has been 10 years since the Dharma brought us together at Cambridge Buddhist Association. But events leading to our relationship go back to the decade of the 1980s. when I was practicing with Myo On Chiko Maureen Stewart Zenni. 
I received lay ordination from her in 1985 at CBA. And the name Myochi, wondrous wisdom taken from her two names. In 1982, you began formal Zen practice in your native Austria under Genro Seyun Kodela, a disciple of Denkyo Shitsukyozan Joshu Sasaki Roshi. You attended frequent session with Joshu Roshi at Mount Baldy, California, and were ordained by him in 1989. You met Shuko Marlene Rubin at Mount Baldy, and after your marriage, you moved to Boston. Following Maureen's death in 1990, I returned to Daibasatsu Zendo, receiving full ordination from Muishitsu Edo Shimano Roshi in 1991, and authorization as a Dharma teacher the following year. You received Temple Dharma Transmission from Joshu Roshi in 2004 and were given the name Kyo-on Apricot Garden. Later that year, you were appointed abbot at Cambridge Buddhist Association. In 2010, I contacted you to see if Andy and I could once again stay at CBA while we visited our son, Jesse, who was doing graduate work in film at the School of the Museum of Fine Arts. Arrangements were made and I sat with you and the Sangha at CBA and presented a talk. It was the first time I had been back since Maureen's funeral. And I felt so strongly her presence and her affirmation of a new Dharma relationship that was born on that visit. But the mystery, the myo of myo on Maureen Stewart goes back much further. At the center of the Daibosatsu Mandala is Vairochana Buddha, Dainichi in Japanese, the protecting deity of 
Soen Nakaga Roshi, Edo Shimano Roshi, and myself. When Soen was a young monk doing solitary retreats on Mount Daibosatsu, he named his hut Dainichian and began continuously chanting the mantra he created there. Namu Daibosa. That solitary chanting and his writing of highly esteemed haiku led to his intimate Dharma friendship with Nyogen Senzaki was living alone and poor in Los Angeles, California. As we know, Yogen Senzaki and Daitaru Suzuki were both students of the great Soen Shakuroshi, abbot of Engakuji, the first Zen teacher to visit the United States. The address he gave at the World Parliament of Religions in Chicago in 1893 had been translated into English by his brilliant young pupil, D.T. Suzuki. It was to support Dr. Suzuki's ardent work in bringing Zen Buddhism to the West that the Zen Studies Society was established in 1956. One year later, when Dr. Suzuki moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts, he became the founder of the Cambridge Buddhist Association, together with Shinichi Hisamatsu and John and Elsie Mitchell. After Nyo'on Chiko Maureen Stewart moved from New York City to Newton, a suburb of Boston, she was asked to teach at CBA and later was appointed president of the organization. So we all can see that ZSS and CBA are indeed closely related. Dokuro over the years since Joshiroshi's retirement and later his passing, you have devoted yourself unstintingly to the Zen Studies Society as a practitioner and as a board member. 
I authorized you as a Dharma teacher in our lineage in 2015. I strongly felt that you would be a worthy successor. And I wrote Ueda Roshi, you, Eido Roshi, and Joshu Sasaki Roshi are responsible for inspiring generations of American students under the great cosmic umbrella of Rinzai Zen. How could it be otherwise? that your streams are now coming together. I trust that the historical transmission of Buddhism from East to West, in which you and Sasaki Roshi were so instrumental and the maturing of American Rinzai Zen through your Dharma descendants will continue with energetic spirit and profound determination on this broad way. Thus, Dokuro, I gave you Inka Shome, Dharma transmission on November 25th, 2017. You have continued working closely with me with energetic spirit and profound determination. And you have devoted yourself to the Sangha and the Zen Studies Society Board. During this challenging year, you have really shown your mettle, your compassion and wisdom have manifested clearly in your online talks and interviews, and in all the behind the scenes work of continuing and continuing, no matter what the circumstances. Last night, after many, many cloudy days, the sky cleared completely. And there was the full moon shining magnificently as Hakuin Zenji's song of Zazen proclaims how boundless the cleared sky of Samadhi. How transparent the perfect moonlight of the fourfold wisdom. 
Vajrachana Buddha is eternally revealed. The fourfold wisdom functions effortlessly. Keisho, please move the screen. The first of those interrelated four wisdoms is the wisdom of the perfect mirror, reflecting things exactly as they are, free of any egotistical distortion. It is from this that I have selected your Roshi name. Chikan. Chi means wisdom. Khan means mirror and also model or example as you are for the Zen Studies Society and the Mahasangha. Your shitsu or room will in your case be kutsu, which means cave, as in mitakutsu, soen roshi, or hanyakutsu, genpo roshi. So, Chikan Kutsu Kyo on Dokoro Jeko. Welcome to your new name. And since the two Ro sounds for Dokoro Roshi are not so easy to say, from this point, forward. Let us call you Chikan Roshi. Chikan Roshi, I happily entrust this great lineage to you on this never-ending Buddha way. Congratulations. The Blue Cliff Record, Case 11. Obaku's partakers of Brewer's Grain. Ingo's Introduction. The Buddha's supreme power is wholly within his grasp. All the souls and spirits of heaven and earth are under his command. Even his casual words and sayings amaze the masses and arouse the crowds. 
his very gesture and action remove the sufferers chains and chains and knock off their kings. If a transcendent person appears, the Buddha meets them with the transcendent principle. Who can ever be so wonderful? If you want to understand the secret, see the following. Main subject. Obaku addressed the assembly and said, you are all partakers of brewer's grain. If you go on studying Zen like that, you will never finish it. Do you know that in all the land of tongue, there is no Zen teacher? Then a monk came forward and said, but surely they are those who teach disciples and preside, preside over the assemblies. What about that? Obaku said, I do not say that there is no Zen, but that there is no Zen teacher. Secho's verse. Commanding his way of teaching, but he made it no point of merit seated majestically over the whole land. He distinguished the dragon from the snake. Emperor Taichu once encountered him and thrice he fell into his clutches. Good afternoon on this wonderful day, a day that I would for myself describe as the second Thanksgiving of this year. A second Thanksgiving in no way less important than the Thanksgiving that we all just celebrated on Thursday. before talking a little bit about this case that is to be presented today, I want to give thanks. I want to give thanks in historical order to those teachers who have brought me to this place, to this no place, no time. As Roshi already told us, in 1989, I was ordained after having been a student of Genro Seon Daiosho in my native Austria. I encountered Genro Watching TV, that sounds really, really mundane, but 
you see the Dharma works in mysterious ways. It was a documentary about this new place in Vienna where they practice Zen. It was a very dramatic presentation of people sitting doing Zazen in black robes, semi-dark room, and somebody walking around with the Keisaku. Everybody watching with me on the couch went, oh my God, what is this? And I said to myself, I have to do this. So I wrote to Gendro and he kindly wrote back, dispelling a lot of the illusions that I had brought to this practice. In 1989, Joshu Roshi ordained me. And since this picture that shows Genro Dai Osho and myself some 30 years ago, I might also say maybe some 60 pounds ago, Gendro Daiosho passed away. In fact, yesterday was the 10th anniversary of Gendro Daiosho's departure from this world. He has made a very big difference in the lives of so many. And while practicing with him, already some of the connections with Dharma brothers, sisters, and friends that I have made, and that still endure, are like a gift for which I give thanks today. It is also with great pleasure that I know that my Dharma brother, Segaku Kigen Osho, another Osho of Joshu Roshi, is going to become the next abbot of the Bodhidharma Zendo in Vienna, succeeding Genro Daiosho. It was also on the Genro that I met Hogen Osho, who was so kind to participate in the Dharma transmission ceremony and came all the way from Augsburg. And it goes back to Genro as well, that other eminent Zen practitioners in the United States who came from Austria started. Manfred Steger, who went and studied with Genro and then with Joshu Roshi and ended up in Hawaii, finishing the Rinzai Koan curriculum with Bob Aitken Roshi. All of these connections come together in this place. Without Genro, I would not have met Denkyoshitsu Kyozan Joshu Rodaishi. And there are no words to express my gratitude to Joshu Roshi. 
going to Mount Bali, being at Rinzaiji. It's sometimes I described it, Genro Osho, Genro Dai Osho was the father of my Zen practice who germinated this Zen practitioner. But then came Joshu Roshi, who as a mother helped to make a somewhat grown-up person out of that Zen child. The connections that Shinge Roshi talked about, about the Cambridge Buddhist Association and that fateful day of January 10th, 2010, where we met for the first time. This connection, this innen is more a fabric than a thread. It is a fabric that connects all of us, all of us who are watching this webinar, who are receiving these electrons that are sent out all over the world in mysterious ways. And what they bring you is my deep thanks for being here and for supporting this possibility for us as a Sangha to practice together, to mature together and to help each other as we get into spots where we need help. Shingeroshi attended the funeral of Joshuroshi. It was a wonderful opportunity for me to share what the home had been to me before. And in the same way, when I moved from Austria to the United States, my appreciation for where I came from changed dramatically and transformed into deep gratitude. Coming under the tutelage of Shingeroshi with her unbound flowering of the heart exposing this monk to teaching of the female energy it was one of the greatest gifts of my life. And again, it clarified and enriched my perception, understanding and deep appreciation for what I have learned from the previous teachers, the previous human beings, and everybody with whom I sat knee to knee in so many places. One picture that I can't show is my daily Sanzen, my daily Doksan teacher, 
who teaches me every day, puts me in my place when I go afoul and has been the catalyst, supporter, and the heart of me as a person. And that is Shuko-san, who I want to thank for sticking with me. One day she said, oh, after having been Joshu Roshi's Inji for 10 years, I thought I was done with that. But now here we are, Shuko-san. My deep apologies. But now let us go to the case. This case is a central case that is often used to demonstrate some of the basic principles. And I'm pretty sure you understand already why somebody who is assuming a new function within the context of the Sangha, within the context of Dharma teaching, would be asked to speak about it. Let me talk a little bit about Obaku, Obaku Kiyon, who is the master who appears in this case. And don't be afraid, I will not repeat the stories that you can read everywhere. Let me try to tell you a few things that are not so commonly shared. Obaku Kiyon was born, we don't know exactly when, but it might be at some time between 768 and 771. He was born in the Fujian province in China. And he was very tall. He grew very tall, seven feet. And on his forehead, right above the eyes, where the third eye would be, there was some kind of maybe a skin growth it was described as a pearl. When you look at Buddha images and images of bodhisattvas, like the wonderful Kanon Bodhisattva that you saw just before, which was the Bodhisattva that graced the Butsudan of the Cambridge Buddhist Association since 1962, which happens to be the year that I was born. Even Kanon Bodhisattva has this little round mark on the forehead. And in the Indian tradition, it's called Urna. The Urna here is one of the, of the marks of a Buddha, like the big lock in the back, the Ushnisha. So he had that. He was ordained maybe at the age of 70 at a small temple maybe some three hours away from the ocean. And that temple was on a hill that had a lot of trees around it, trees of a very specific kind. And that tree in English is called the Amur cork tree, Philodendron amurense. It is a tree that is used in Chinese medicine, 
it has yellow flowers that bloom in the summer and it has fruit berries from which the medicine is extracted but also the bark of the tree is used to extract the color yellow the yellow color is even used in making Japanese woodblock prints. So Obaku is the name of that tree. And since Obaku Kiyun became ordained at that temple under those circumstances, he developed this very close relationship with the place and with the trees. Kion was his ordination name, already 17 years old, to receive a name like that is quite something. Kiun means phenomenally rare fortune, an imposing name. As he grew older, he went on Angya, on the pilgrimage to find a master, but who he really wanted to, to see is Basu Doitsu. But Basu Doitsu had already passed. He learned this from his teacher, Hyakujo Eikai, who, of course, was the prime disciple of Basu Doitsu. There are many stories about Obaku, Huangbo. At 64, in the year 832, he went to the Vulture Horn Mountain, Kianxi, and he renamed it Obakuzan. So that is the renaming of that temple after the trees of the temple where he was ordained. Now, here's a story that we don't hear as often. There was a governor around. His name was Pei. When Governor Pei, who came from a devout Buddhist background, came into office, he visited the main temple in the provincial capital where he was installed. He went to the temple, he gave an offering. And after the offering, the attending temple monk showed him around as they went through the district of the temple, they came to a hall where there was an image, a painting of a Zen monk. Who is that? Said the governor. The monk said, a highly regarded monk. Governor says, I see that. Where is he? The monk could not tell him. Governor says, isn't there any Zen monk in this temple? The attending monk disappeared. He came back accompanied by this old guy, almost in rags. This is our ground sweeper. Doesn't he look like a Zen monk? The governor standing next to the sweeper, still looking at the painting of the Zen master said to the sweeper, where is this master? 
I need to meet him. The sweeper said, Governor Pei. The words struck the governor deep in the heart and he was startled. He turned around, looked at the sweeper who continued, where might he be? And at that moment, Governor Pei recognized the sweeper as the person depicted in the painting of the master and had a deep experience of awe. At times, Obaku left his temple with the monks who were very numerous. And he came down into that provincial capital to seek refuge in the city temple to devote himself to what is what we all called for. Practice, practice, practice. In one of the last sansens with Joshu Roshi before he retired, the point he drove home to Shuko-san and myself is never stop practicing. Never stop practicing. For Obaku sweeping the grounds and participating in the daily activities of that temple was what really was necessary for him to keep going. 1989, my ordination is over 30 years ago. But as you know, once 30 years are over, the only thing that we are called to do is to continue for another 30 years. And another 30 years. So allow me to tell you one more thing about Obaku. You might know when you read about Japanese Zen that there are three different schools. We have the Soto school, we have the Rinzai school, and then the Obaku school. Now, of course, Obaku Kiyon Zenji never made it to Japan. But much later, in the early 16, late 16th century, early 17th century, there was a master in China whose Japanese name is Ingen Ryuki, 1592 until 1673, who was called to Japan by one of the reigning uh, magistrates there. And he was ordained in that first temple, the first Obakuzan where Kiyun became a monk. And he had revived the teaching of Obaku there. And at that time in Japan, Rinzai Zen in its liveliness was rather lacking. So Master Ingen was called to Japan. He went to Nagasaki with around 30 monks and also artisans and artists. The brushwork of the uh, Obaku school is renowned. 
he established the Obakuhet Temple, Manpukuji in Kyoto. And a lot of the Rinzai temples were taken over by Ingen and also by his successor, his disciple Muran. So what is Obaku telling the assembly? Gobblers of dregs, partakers of brewer's grain. Running around. If you go on studying like that from one to another, how will you ever finish this teaching? This is the Sekida translation, finish, finishing it. Another translation by Cleary, how will you ever arrive today? This. When Obaku speaks about these dregs, the brewer's grain. You all are aware that when beer is made or specific kinds of wine, once the wine is drained or the beer, what remains are the dregs. The comparison of the teachings of the words that come from people like Obaku with dregs points out that these words that are being used are limited. Yes, they can get you high. They can get you inebriated. But they are not the wine or the beer itself. Doesn't mean they're worthless. Even this koan is such a drag. Upaya, skillful means are dregs. But how do they turn into the wine? Should we really think in that two-dimensional way? Isn't the dreg and what comes out of it the mother of the wine, the mother of the beer, that what allows it to come into existence. Yes, indeed. But the warning is against holding on to them and taking it for the essence rather than the function. Many Zen masters have said that. For example, Umon Bunen, he expressed it like this. You must neither fall for the tricks of others nor simply accept their directives. The instant you see an old monk open his mouth, you tend to stuff those big rocks right into yours. And when we cluster in small groups to discuss his words, you are exactly like those little green flies on a turd that struggle back to back to gobble it up. What a shame. 
So as long as we take these words as words and not as expressions of living experience, we gobble drags. But what makes the difference is the relationship, the relationship that we make with what faces us. Over the last four years, we have clearly seen what kind of drags are around and how people can intoxicate themselves, including ourselves. Oppositionality is an intoxication. The illusion of a separate self is an intoxication. Only through full relationship will we be able to go beyond this two-dimensional, bifurcated, polarized way of living our lives. Dissolving fully into that relationship. The Sangha is such a place where we can learn to do this. Although there might be an idea that with this ceremony, something has changed. Under these robes, the same skin, the same blood flows that flows in your blood vessels. The same heart beats that beats in all of our chests. And even though the function may be different to which we are called as individuals, the essence, and that's where we relate. We are one. So what about that? No Zen teachers. That's exactly what it points to. Nobody can teach you Zen. Nobody can teach the air to be air. Who has taught you how to take a breath? There are no Zen teachers in this land either. There are bodhisattvas throughout history, some alive who dedicate themselves to the awakening of all sentient beings. I am not a Zen teacher. If I can fulfill the function of being the mirror wisdom to what this Sangha and what this world brings to this moment, 
I will devote myself to function as that mirror. And I want to thank you for helping me with that. It's a fabric and not a thread. It is relationship and not somebody on a seat. It is our common human heart that makes all of this possible. So let's have a feast together on those dregs and make them fully ours. When we read Secho's verse in the Quran, it seems at first that he is just praising Obaku, but it goes beyond that. It's clear there is a point that Obaku's teaching is of no merit to him. In the same way that he went to be the sweeper in the city temple. He's just a practitioner. But also there's talk about snakes and dragons, where the dragons come first. The dragon head and the tail of a snake. His fierce statement, you are all partakers of brewer's grain, sounds very, very strong. Almost judgmental. But then when he ends with, I did not say there is no Zen. I just said there is no Zen teacher. The tail of the snake emerges. What stands behind the fierceness of the dragon here is Obaku's deep and warm heart. I have seen and I have been exposed to deep and warm hearts throughout my life. And I am very grateful for that because I know so many of us don't feel that way. Gendro Daioso, Joshu Roshi, Shinge Roshi, hearts that beat so warm and throughout the universe. No words can express how important this is for all of us. Now, we all share also the four great vows together. The four great vows in which we commit ourselves to live this life as bodhisattvas, to become human beings who step beyond the confines of their own little self, to clear up what we can clear up through our practice in the area of the klesa, the bonno, those afflictions that we can clearly see, that we will study those dregs, the scriptures, 
the commentaries, the words of departed and living masters. But then the last of the Shigu Seigan of the four great vows is the vow to continue going on and on 30 years at a time without stopping one step after another. Another Austrian friend who I met through Genro Daioso and through Joshu Rodaishi is Hubert Schlapschi, a medical doctor from Vienna who studied with Joshu Roshi at Mount Bali. He moved to India and spends his time at various holy places. And in this season, we can find him in Bodh Gaya, the very place where the Buddha awakened. And on occasion of this ceremony today, he sent me the image of a leaf that fell off the Bodhi tree. And he accompanied it with the following poem that I will read to you as the closure of this talk. No host, no guest. The guest house is closed. Just friends visiting. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.